Hi, my name's Andrew Slack. This is Imagine Better. And I want to offer you this simple phrase to kids from 1 to 92. Although it has been said many times, many ways. Actually, Nat is a lot better at this than me. Although it's been said many times, many ways, Merry Christmas to Merry Christmas, happy holidays in this cold, brisk, dark season when seasonal affective disorder reaches a high point where the long, dark night seems endless and hope seems scant. We have rituals built around light and built around hope. Hanukkah, Christmas, Solstice, Kwanzaa, Yuletide, and on and on and on. We have rituals that revere the power of light in times of dark, hope in times of despair, and warmth even as we approach the long night and winter is coming. Winter is coming. Such times can be scary. For the night is dark and full of terrors. But as we celebrate this holiday season, we are reminded that people have come before us and they have won against all odds. And that, to quote the old proverb, it is far, far better to light even the smallest candle than to curse the darkness. And while 2017 has been full of darkness, there have been so many who refuse to curse that darkness. In this holiday season, I'd like you to meet a group of people on the front lines lighting candles amidst the darkness that has silenced them for too long. They are the port drivers of Los Angeles and Long Beach, and they are America's real-world Santa. Yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. Macy's, please. He exists just as certainly as love and generosity exist. How dreary would be the world if there were no Santa Claus? And while that famous Dear Virginia letter so eloquently reminds us that Santa Claus exists in our hearts and our spirits and our generosity, when we go and buy holiday presents, almost definitely those presents were made in Asia, put on ships that then arrived to the United States in our two biggest ports of LA and Long Beach. The presents were then taken off the ships and put onto trucks, and the truck drivers who work these ports are known as port drivers. The port drivers then take the presents to where they need to get to, and eventually, thanks to the port drivers of Long Beach and LA, they will get to all of our favorite stores or directly to our homes if we're purchasing them online, and that is how we get our presents. Ho, ho, ho! Merry Christmas! So this holiday season, when you go into Macy's or Target or Walmart or Costco or you order things on Amazon and you're getting these presents, without the hard work of the port drivers of L.A. and Long Beach, those presents would literally just be sitting on the ships that are docked in those ports and we wouldn't get them. Much the same way that Santa has to cancel Christmas in Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, if the port drivers of L.A. and Long Beach did not show up for work, we would get no presents and Christmas would be canceled. I've got some bad news, folks. Christmas is going to be canceled. If either you or I were the mayors of L.A. or Long Beach, California, I hope that we would take special pride in the fact that our cities house the real-world Santas 
for the entire nation. I would hope that we would honor these port drivers and give them the keys to the city because they are the closest thing that America has to a real world Santa and any attack on them would be a real war on Christmas. Unfortunately, that's not what the mayors of LA and Long Beach are doing. Let's turn to my dear friend Seco, a port driver, a real world Santa in Southern California, explain what's actually taking place. So Seco, if someone's never heard of the issue affecting port drivers of Long Beach in LA, how would you explain it? I ask them whether or not they still believe in slavery, because that's exactly what we're going through. A lot of people think it's just in the movies, but it's still existing now. We have people like Martin Luther King who did a huge movement, but yet, how is it that in our world today that we're still continually going through the same thing, except now it's just transformed into something else. It's changed its face. But the struggle is still there. This topic is big, it's emotional, and I know that right now in the holiday season where we want to be happy in a year that has had so much sadness and so much fear, it's hard to hear about yet another injustice, but we need to hear this. And working alongside these port drivers and supporting them in their fight for basic human rights will help transform other issues that each one of us cares about. And believe it or not, will keep all of us safe on the road because something I was shocked to learn is none of us are safe on the road right now because of what's been happening to the port drivers of LA and Long Beach. And that sounds hyperbolic, but as we get into it, you will find out that we are in a public health emergency regarding this issue. But the good news is that it's a public health emergency that with our support can easily be fixed. So again, the port drivers of LA and Long Beach are America's real-world Santas, and almost every Christmas special has to do with an existential threat towards the spirit of Christmas or the spirit of Santa Claus. Just to name a few, there's the 1974 classic, Twas the Night Before Christmas, where Christmas is canceled. There's Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, where Christmas is going to be canceled. There's the Will Ferrell comedy Elf, where Santa's sleigh crashes on Christmas Eve because people no longer believe in the Christmas spirit. Other examples include The Year Without a Santa Claus, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, Ernest Saves Christmas, The Nightmare Before Christmas, the 1985 classic Santa Claus, the movie, the Doctor Who Christmas special, The Christmas Invasion, Scrooged, starring Bill Murray, the 1970 Fred Astaire classic, Santa Claus is Coming to Town. This is not to mention basically every one of our favorite sitcoms and cartoon shows that had their annual Christmas special. Also, of course, every single holiday movie on the Hallmark Channel that deals with Santa and Christmas. This list is so endless, I can't even... Ah, it's like a reminiscence into my entire childhood of Christmas specials, so... Just, there's a lot of these. When we were kids, growing up, watching Christmas specials, I think a lot of us secretly wished, hey, I wish I could be in this Christmas special and save Christmas. Well, now's our chance, because we are living inside of a real-world Christmas special where we have to save Christmas from old man greed, and when we do, he's going to be like, I would have gotten away with it, too, if it wasn't for you kids! And we're going to do it, because there is a tangible path towards victory. And all we have to do is simply convince two men, two mayors, Eric Garcetti of LA and Eric Garcia of Long Beach to simply uphold the law and prevent law-breaking companies from continuing this practice of modern-day slavery. And this is an entirely possible thing to do because these two mayors have good hearts. Mayor Garcetti is a really good leader and so is Mayor Garcia. We don't fully understand why they haven't acted on this, but we do know 
that with enough encouragement by the American people, they will do what is right. And I hope you listen to this episode in its entirety because the voices of these drivers is transformative, it's inspirational, and it gives us a sense of light in the middle of darkness. But if you do anything, please go to heroeswearvests.com and sign up. That's heroeswearvests.com because these drivers, these real-world Santas for our country are heroes. And unlike Superman and Batman who don a cape, or Harry Potter and Hermione who have wands, or Rey and Luke Skywalker who have lightsabers, these drivers don't have those things, but they do have one thing in common that they all wear, and that is vests. And those vests are a reminder of the heroism that they bring to our country, to our stores, to the holiday season. So please, heroeswearvests.com. And so, without further ado, please sit back with an open heart, and as we hear these stories of darkness inflicted by law-breaking trucking companies, let us respond as these drivers do, not by cursing the darkness, but by lighting even the smallest candle. And together, our candles will make a beautiful light that will transform everything as we prepare for Christmas and Santa Claus is coming to town. Hit it, Frank. You better watch out. You better not cry. Better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making a list and checking it twice. He's gonna find out who's naughty and nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness. Thank you, Frank. Thank you for reminding us that Santa Claus is coming to town, and that is what we're talking about in this second episode of Imagine Better. An episode that is about the holiday season, is about the spirit and generosity of Santa Claus, and is specifically about the real-world Santas of our nation, who are the port drivers of LA and Long Beach, and tangible steps that all of us can make to help them. But this begs the question, how did I get involved in all this? Well, over the years, I've led a lot of campaigns that are fan activist oriented around Superman, The Hunger Games, Star Wars, Back to the Future, and most notably, Harry Potter. Because of that work, a campaign called Justice for Port Drivers wanted my advice because they've been comparing the port drivers of LA and Long Beach to superheroes. I ended up working with them and working with these drivers, working with these organizers, it reminds me of being part of a larger story. A larger story where we are fighting an empire. Most of our favorite stories are about an orphan fighting an empire. We talked about that in the first episode of Imagine Better. In our most beloved stories, there typically is an empire that as heroes, we need to fight. So then there is the question, what empire are we living under? I've been told that a helpful way to understand what empire you are living under is to look to the tallest building in the city. So if you were in Western Europe in the 1400s, the tallest building in the city was the church. The church was the empire. By the 1700s, the tallest building became the political palace, otherwise known as the capital of the nation. So the nation state became the empire. 
Now, in our world, the tallest building is the skyscraper in the financial district. It's the multinational corporation, or in other words, the corporate empire. So we are all, in effect, living under a corporate empire. It's not particularly hard to see that. Our country literally refers to corporations as people. We just let corporations gut net neutrality. We're watching a huge tax cut to the corporations at the expense of everyone else. That list of corporate overreach goes on and on and on. And our nation's real-world Santas, these port drivers of LA and Long Beach, are facing a corporate empire. A corporate empire that was really rising around the time that Charles Dickens wrote A Christmas Carol. And it's a, become a time-honored thing to look at how the greed for profit within the corporate empire threatens the spirit of Christmas. <laughs> so merry about it. I'll tell you what Christmas is. It's just another work day, and any jackanapes who thinks else should be boiled in his own pudding. But sir, Christmas is a time for giving, a time to be with one's family. I say bah, humbug. I don't care. That was Donald Duck and Mickey Mouse and Scrooge McDuck in Mickey's Christmas Carol from 1983. That greed for money and profit represented by the corporate empire's very own Ebenezer Scrooge over time consolidated its power to get our government to deregulate so many industries. For in the words of Bernie Sanders, Congress does not regulate Wall Street. Wall Street regulates Congress. And that has certainly manifested itself in Southern California with something that the trucking industry calls the lease to own program. And they sell the lease to own program through a series of lies and they tell the drivers, hey, you guys wanna own your own truck? You can do that. In fact, you have to do that. And it even sounds exciting the way that they put it, but the thing that they're not mentioning is that they're lying. Liars don't normally talk about how they're lying, but they are lying. They don't mention to the drivers, yeah, these payments that you're making are gonna be higher than the payments that we're gonna be giving you, which means that you're gonna be in an eternal state of debt. They also don't mention how they're charging the drivers for things that simply don't exist. There's fake payments put in to insurance companies that don't exist. Oftentimes the trucking companies rip the drivers off, adding prices, padding their own wallets. So they're literally stealing and the drivers are afraid to leave because they'll end up in collections. They're giving them an idea that they're gonna own something, but they never will. So when I'm talking to somebody, I'm telling them whether or not they still believe in slavery. And the, most of the time they're like, no, slavery ended several hundred years ago. Then I start telling them about the poor truck drivers and how we have to pay for the company's equipment. And I ask them, what is their profession? Oh, I work as an administrative assistant or I am a, a nurse or whatever it may be. Then I ask them, well, when you print stuff out, do you pay for that paper? Do you pay for the ink? Do you come into work and have to worry about the money in your pocket because now you have to pay back whatever you're using? And they laugh and they ask, and, and they think that, how could that be? It's like, well, first off, these contracts that are given, we were given a different contract from the beginning. 
So the contracts were scams. They were literally lies. They were literally fraud. And the drivers were lied to. And that's been proven in a court of law. 97% of the drivers that have sued these companies have won because the companies are clearly doing things that are illegal, yet they continue to do things that are illegal because a lawsuit here or there is not making the kind of sweeping changes that are going to prevent these companies from continuing to break the law and end the lease-to-own program. So to be clear, this lease-to-own program, which is a very innocuous title for something so pernicious, is being practiced in a way that is entirely illegal on every front, and it encourages and rewards the trucking companies to keep charging and charging and charging and excessively and egregiously charging, putting in fake payments, and the drivers can't compete because they're not being paid enough, so they're in debt, and the only way to compete is to just keep driving and driving and driving. Enter Rene Flores. In 1998, my friend Rene Flores came from El Salvador to the land of opportunity, the United States of America. Like most immigrants in our history, Rene came with an ambition to do whatever it takes to pull himself up by the bootstraps and to work his hardest. At first, he was doing remarkably well. It should be noted that drivers at Long Beach and LA are either US citizens or they are documented immigrants. There are no undocumented immigrants in either port. How many hours a day were you driving? ¿Cuántas horas al día estuvo trabajando? Pues un mínimo de 20 horas al día. Minimum of 20 hours a day. What? Así como lo oye. Durmiendo dos o tres horas cuando se puede. Hubieron veces. Grabbing two or three hours of sleep when you can. Here is Renee describing for me what a typical drive for Costco looked like from the port of Long Beach, California, to a Costco in California, and then to the port of Oakland, California, and back. Te voy a contar una pequeña. Uh, uh, trabajé uh, por dos años jalándole a la tienda Costco. I spent two years. Eh, eh, moving freight for Costco. Ellos no les interesa eso de la vida de los niños ni le interesa la vida de nadie. They don't care about the lives of children or the lives of anybody. Del puerto de Los Ángeles al puerto de Oakland. From Los Angeles to Oakland. From the port of Los Angeles to the port of Oakland. Hay ocho horas. Eh, it's an eight-hour drive. El día lunes en la mañana yo agarraba un un vacío del puerto de Lombis y lo llevaba a Miraloma que está como a una hora y media de Los Ángeles. On Monday morning, uh, I I would take uh, an empty container uh, to Miraloma. It's about a half an hour out of the port. Memoriza los tiempos que te voy a decir para que saques cuenta. Uh, take a look at these times that I'm talking about. Rene pulls out some papers at this point. He shows me how he begins a journey on Monday at 10 a.m. Please remember that, that time. This is when we start this story. Monday, 10 a.m. Me iba a las 10 de la mañana del puerto de Lombis. Llegaba a las 12 del mediodía al Costco de Miraloma. And so, 10 o'clock, I'm leaving Long Beach Port. 12 o'clock, I get to the Costco at Miraloma. Me tenía que quedar esperando hasta que tuvieran las cargas listas. So I had to wait at the Costco until the freight was ready to move. Había veces que el día lunes del Costco de Miraloma, California, salíamos a las 7 de la noche. Sometimes I didn't get it. It took them so long to get everything ready that I wasn't leaving until 7 o'clock at night. Y teníamos que manejar toda la noche. And we had to drive all night. 
para el puerto de Oakland. To get to the port of Oakland. Íbamos llegando a las 4 de la mañana. Arriving at 4 o'clock in the morning. A las 6 de la mañana abre el puerto de Oakland. At 6, the port opens. Nomás habíamos dormido dos horas. So we slept two hours. En esa, a las 6 de la mañana, entrábamos al puerto. At 6, we go into the Oakland port. Dejábamos la carga y agarrábamos un contenedor vacío. And we uh, left uh, the box we had and picked up an empty container. Íbamos saliendo a las 9 de la mañana del puerto de Oakland. We'll leave in Oakland at 9 o'clock in the morning. Del día martes. Of Tuesday. Pause. That's a lot of info. I'm going to repeat some of that just so we can keep track of it. So Renee leaves Monday morning from the port of Long Beach. That's Monday at 10 a.m. He gets to Costco by noon. That's two hours later, where he then has to wait for seven hours. And we should keep in mind that he's not being paid by the hour. They don't pay by the hour. They pay by the load. So those seven hours were just wasted. So he leaves Costco at Monday, 7 p.m., with a loaded freight of food and then drives all night and until he's at the port of Oakland. By 9 a.m. Tuesday, he's been driving for 23 hours on two hours of sleep, and now he's on his way back to Long Beach. You would imagine that he'll be done at that time. Afraid not. Cuando el despachador nos llamaba y me decía, ¿ya vienes de regreso con el vacío? The dispatcher calls me and says, are you coming back with the empty container? Le decía yo, sí, ¿por qué? I said, yeah, why? Porque tienes que pasar cargando naranjas por Tulare o por Baicelia uh, o por todos esos empaques que hay en el norte de California. And then he gave me a new assignment. He said, you got to go up and pick up some oranges in Visalia or one of the places in the Central Valley. Yo llegaba como a las 2 de la tarde o 3 de la tarde a Fresno o llegaba a Visalia. So I'd get to 2 or 3 in the afternoon to Fresno or Visalia. Del día martes y tenía que esperar una puerta o un appointment para que me dieran para cargar naranjas. And then I'd have to wait for the appointment to fill uh, the, the orange order. A las 5 de la tarde, 6 de la tarde, yo iba saliendo del empaque y tenía que llevar esa carga a la yarda, a Wilmington, California. And so 5 or 6 in the evening, I'm leaving uh, the orange packing shed and I'm heading to uh, another uh, location in Donde Wilmington? Wilmington, California. Wilmington, California. Okay, so we started at Monday morning, 10 a.m. It's now Tuesday at about 6 p.m. That's 32 hours later. Renee has had two hours of sleep. Ahí llegaba con el contenedor, me lo descargaban en una hora. So I'd, I'd get there uh, with the orange container. I'd, uh, 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 they'd take that off. Estamos hablando de las 10 de la noche del día martes. So we're talking about 10 o'clock Tuesday night now. Esa misma noche tenía que volver al Costco de Miraloma. So that same night I had to go back to the Costco in Miraloma. Tirar la vacía y agarrar otra carga y manejar toda la madrugada para el puerto de Oakland de regreso. Leave the empty container and then drive from Miraloma back up with a new load up to Oakland. Iba llegando a las 10 de la mañana, 11 de la mañana del día miércoles. So I'm now arriving into the Oakland port at 10, 11 o'clock in the morning on Wednesday. Okay, so it's been 48 hours, he's still driving the truck, and he's on two hours of sleep. We continue. Ten, y todavía dejábamos la carga, agarrábamos otra vacía, y en cuanto dormíamos unas dos, tres horas... Nos volvían a llamar que pasáramos otra vez cargando más naranjas so, para traerlas a Wilmington. Drop it off, 
pick up an empty, two or three hours sleep. They call me again. I have to go back out to Central Valley, pick up more oranges, and then take that down. Y si yo, cuando me sentía tan cansado, 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 I, I so, so, so tired, no, no, no contestaba el teléfono porque no sentía que sonaba de tan cansado que quedaba muerto dos I, o tres horas. Y cuando contestaba, ellos estaban bien furiosos. And ¿Que they, dónde estaba? Exhausted just listening to this story. Right now, if I were you, I'd also be thinking, wait, isn't this like weirdly unsafe? Like, not only for Renee, but everyone? I asked Renee to comment on this. Claro que sí. Mira, la compañía, a la compañía no le interesa eso. Ellos no miran eso. The company doesn't care about that. Uno tiene que agarrar un libro mensual que trae 31 hojas. That has 31 pages in it. Si la compañía tuviera regulaciones, ella le diera un libro al mes a cada chofer. If the company was following the rules, they'd be giving a logbook, uh, uh, a new logbook every month to each driver. Pero... En la oficina estaban las cajas de libro. But in the office of the company there were boxes of these logs. Para que tú agarraras los que quisieras agarrar. So that you could grab as many as you wanted to. Porque terminas uno y haces otro. Because when you finish one you just start a new one. Llegas a Arizona. You arrive in Arizona. Y para regresarte a las dos horas le arrancas la hoja y le haces una hoja nueva. So because you got to get back, you got to start back in two hours. Just rip that sheet out and put a new one in. A child could get hit because a driver is too tired. Alguien, un niño, eh, puede ser pegado por un camión porque un chofer es demasiado cansado. Pues ese es el, el riesgo que corremos. This is the risk that we run. Okay, so let me just point out that this reality is insane. This is the risk that Renee is being forced to run. This is the risk that all of us are being forced to run unbeknownst to us. From 2013 to 2015, in just two years, there were at least over 20 fatalities, at least all directly related to these working conditions from companies that Mayor Garcetti and Mayor Garcia are allowing to break the law. And hundreds and hundreds of accidents, many of them very serious, because we're keep in mind we're talking about trucks. And that's only what we've got on record in just a two-year period. Bottom line, this is a public safety emergency. So, Mayor Garcetti and Garcia, I don't understand why you're putting all of our lives in danger by not enforcing the law with these trucking companies, but it's not a risk that any of us are willing to run. So, this has to change. And, you know, again, I've heard wonderful things about both of you on a variety of issues, but this is not a risk that anyone in the United States or anywhere should have to run. So... It's time to do something. And not only do something for the general public at large, but actually value the lives of the port drivers. While this has made all of us at serious risk of accidents, they are at greater risk of accidents than anyone else. Rene himself suffered from two accidents. Y pues base a eso, uh, me enfermé porque tuve dos accidentes trabajando para ellos. It's also the case that uh, part of this work, I, I had two different accidents and, uh, and I got sick. Uh, nunca me dieron asistencia médica, nunca me preguntaron si estaba bien. They, they never provided me any kind of medical help. 
Solo me Never decían, asked me if I was feeling better. Solo me decían que teníamos que trabajar, que el camión se tenía que pagar, que las cargas tenían que llegar a su destino. They just said you got to work, you just got to make sure that you get that freight to the place that it's uh, it's supposed to be. Si me rehusaba a no trabajar y decía, "No, esa carga no la quiero hacer porque estoy cansado." Okay. Vete a descansar en tu casa y el siguiente día no me daban trabajo. And if I ever refused a load uh, because I was tired or for whatever reason, uh, they wouldn't give me any work the next day. He's needed major surgeries. Y ahora, hace el día 3 de octubre de este año, me hicieron una cirugía porque en el último accidente uh, se me dañaron los músculos del estómago. Uh, on the 3rd of October, I had a, a, an operation. Uh, uh, I had an accident a while back uh, while I was driving. And it, it damaged some of my muscles. And, and uh, this operation was to try and repair uh, some of the damage that was done. Y esa vez que choqué en Colorado. That was due to an accident that I had had in Colorado. A las 11 de la noche le llamé a, a, a mi jefe. 11 at night after the accident, right away I called my boss. Fue el 28 de abril y lo primero que le dije que había tenido un accidente, la primera pregunta que me hizo, que cómo estaba la carga, que si la carga no se había dañado. And his first question to me was only, did the freight I was carrying, was there any damage to it? Nunca me preguntó si yo estaba bien. Never asked me if I was okay. Nunca me preguntó si me sentía bien. Never asked me if I felt okay. The accumulation of all of this affected Renee's family life. Mi hijo mayor me dice, me dijo, papá, ¿y por qué no traes dinero si seis días no estás en la casa, solo estás el domingo? ¿Cómo, qué explicación me puedes dar que no traigas dinero a la casa? One of the times my oldest son says to me, how can it be, papá, that you go work six days a week, I barely see you, and then you come home on Sunday and, and you don't have any money at all? How can that be? Lo que hacía era quedarme callado y encerrarme en mi cuarto a, a pensar qué hacer. So my reaction was to just stay quiet. I went into my room, closed the door, trying to think what I could do. Ya no hallaba qué hacer porque los problemas en el trabajo, los problemas en mi casa, con mi esposa, que mi esposa pensaba que quizás el dinero yo se lo daba a otra mujer. But I couldn't figure out what to do. My, my, my wife was upset. My wife was wondering where the money was going. She wondered if I had a girlfriend on the side or something like that because she, she didn't know where the money was going either. And I, I, I couldn't give her a good explanation. Todo eso me generó traumas psicológicos. This all generated uh, psychological trauma for me. Porque yo muchas veces llegué a mi casa sin un centavo en mi bolsa. Because a lot of times I'd arrive home without a penny in my in my in my wallet. Y mis hijos querían ir al cine, querían ir a comer algo. My kids would want to go to the movies or they want to go out and eat something. Y cómo le dices a tu hijo que no tiene dinero una vez mi hijo mayor. How do you say to your children, I don't have any money? Y la compañía no le importaba si yo llevaba comida para mis hijos. Ellos lo que querían era, si no te gusta, vete. Ahí está el portón, la puerta es grande, te puede decir, hoy te vas tú, mañana viene otro. Uh, the, the company uh, gave no concern whatsoever about whether or not I was feeding my family. In addition to food, Renee shipped presents for the holidays. And we're buying these presents for our kids at the expense of his kids. Renee is a real world Santa for this country. So, te voy a contar algo muy triste. I'm going to uh, tell you something very sad. Para la Navidad for y el Año Nuevo, Christmas and New Year's, todo mundo está feliz. Everybody in the world is happy. 
Tú no sabes qué calvario y qué tristeza me daba a mí. You don't know what Calvary, what sadness it was for me. Porque todos los empleados del puerto agarran 24 y 25 y si cae en fin de semana largo agarran 26 y 27 y solo trabajamos dos días. And so because the many of the workers at the port, they take off the 24th and the 25th and sometimes if it was near a weekend, they get four days in a row off. Ok, y la siguiente semana que viene, week, vuelves a trabajar solo otros dos días. You only work two days that next week. Imagínate Before tú, a la tercera semana, nosotros estamos negativos casi con dos mil dólares, porque con esos cuatro días en dos semanas, no sacamos pero ni para la gasolina. But for us, those three weeks, with only two days of work, It, we were a couple of thousand dollars in the hole because we we weren't working. We weren't making any money, but we still had to make the payments y, on the truck. Imagínate que la esperanza de todos nosotros es cuando empiece este año vamos a empezar bien. Y yo ya empezaba debiendo. So the you know the hope for all of us is that we start a new year off fresh. We start a new year uh, even or above even. But for us, uh, we started out a couple of thousand dollars in the hole. And there was no recourse. Uh, uh, if I raised some concerns, they'd say, hey, there's the door. Uh, leave. Eso me ha traído muchos problemas, demasiados problemas, y las compañías se ríen de nosotros. So that brought me a lot of problems, and the company just laughs at us. Una vez yo le dije al manager que los iba a demandar. One time I told the manager that I was going to file suit against him. Y lo que él me dijo, se puso a reír y me dijo, ¿tú crees que puedes ganarle a la compañía? He just laughed at me. He told me, you think you can win uh, legally against the company in the courts? La compañía les paga millones y millones a sus abogados para que los defiendan. The company pays millions to its lawyers to defend them. Y tú con 500 dólares, ¿tú crees que puedes pagar un abogado para que te defienda y puedas ganarles? Your little $500 is going to get you a lawyer that can defend you against them? Y eso me, me dañó demasiado porque a veces por las noches no puedo dormir. That, and that really damaged me. I, I, there were times, nights, I just couldn't sleep. I was so frustrated. I didn't know what to do. And so the trucking companies essentially were feeling invincible, feeling like they were part of a corporate empire that could not be brought down. <laughs> Then the Teamsters came in. The Teamsters are the union for truckers. When the Teamsters started in the turn of the 20th century, they provided a new hope for drivers. But eventually, the corporate empire struck back. And in places like Long Beach and LA, none of these drivers are Teamsters because they've been misclassified as independent contractors. And you can't really be unionized unless you're an employee. So the Teamsters came in anyway to help these drivers, to help organize. The Teamsters have supported me and my fellow drivers and other port truck drivers and warehouse workers around the port. They have given us the tools the platforms in order to bring awareness to, to our country. So they have given me strength. They have opened up doors 
in which I could never believe that I could even be a part of. One of the doors that was recently opened up was the chance for Seco and Renee and other drivers to fly from Southern California to D.C., where they had a chance to meet in person with Senator Bernie Sanders and share their stories. I had the good fortune to be with them and witness as Bernie took all of this in and Bernie's staff filmed it and put it on what is called Bernie TV. Here's an excerpt from the uh, video of Bernie meeting with Seco, Renee, and other drivers. These trucking companies are giving us an American nightmare. They're not giving us the American dream. They sold us a dream in, in stating that we can be independent contractors by maybe owning our truck in a future date. We pay a lease every day. Before I come into work, I'm already negative. I'm also gonna be negative at the end of the day because I also pay the fuel, the insurance. So theoretically, you are an independent contractor? Theoretically. All right. But what you're saying is really you're an exploited worker. Yeah. So how did that meeting with Bernie take place? Well, Bernie found out about this issue thanks to an article that came out this summer in the USA Today that was written by an enterprising investigative journalist named Brett Murphy. And it was that article that changed everything. Suddenly the abuse by the corporate empire's lackeys and the trucking industry has been exposed. Here is my friend Janae reading an excerpt from the first USA Today piece that deals with drivers working for a trucking company called QTS. Drivers who signed up for leases watched their take-home pay plummet and often had no choice but to work longer hours. After immigrating from Nicaragua in 1992, Samuel Talavera Jr. drove a truck at the Los Angeles Harbor and made an honest living. Since 9-11, all truckers working at ports of entry must be legal residents. Talavera bought his wife, Raina, a house and took his daughters to Disneyland. But everything changed in late 2010 when he went into the QTS warehouse and his boss told him he needed to trade in his truck and sign a lease purchase contract. For the next four years, he worked mind-numbing hours to pay the bills. To save commuting time, he slept in his truck at work. To avoid bathroom breaks, he kept an empty two-liter bottle by his side. He became a ghost to his family. Still, he had to drain his savings to survive. A stack of weekly paychecks he keeps in a drawer at home shows his worst weeks. He grossed $1,970 on June 3, 2011, but it all went back to QTS. After the lease and other truck expenses, he took home $33. On February 10th, 2012, he took home $112 after expenses. The next week, he made 67 cents. Here's another excerpt. This one is read by my friend Sangeeta and deals with how drivers have been forced to work inhumane and illegal hours. To keep truckers working, managers at a few companies have physically barred them from going home. More than once, Marvin Figueroa, returned from a full day's work to find the gate to the parking lot locked and a manager ordering drivers back to work. That's how they forced me to continue working, he testified in a 2015 labor case. Truckers at two other companies made similar claims. Since this was broken open this summer, there's been several pieces. You can read them all at portdriver.news. That's portdriver.news. In Brett Murphy's second piece, he uncovered something really big. Guess where so much of the lobbying money was coming from to pressure politicians to continue the lease-to-own program? Target, Costco, Walmart, Amazon have all lobbied hard to keep drivers in this position. Target has gone out of its way to celebrate the lease-to-own program. So it sounds like it's more than just the, the trucking companies 
and and that's where Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, uh, was it Diane Feinstein, and also Sherrod Brown, I believe. That's why our senator stepped in to even to write a letter to these big box retail stores to let them know, hey, we know you guys are big companies like Walmart and Target, but you guys need to find out who is doing your work. So I read a lot of political news, way too much for my own health, but. What Seco said really made my ears perk up because he said a couple of names of people that have been involved. Senator Elizabeth Warren has been involved in this since the USA Today article came out. She didn't know about it before, but since it's come out, she has been involved. So has Sherrod Brown. So has Kamala Harris. So has Bernie Sanders. Now, I don't know if any of them are going to run for president in 2020. No one does. But there's been a lot of speculation that they all might, and all four of them would be the frontrunners for the Democratic Party. But guess who, in a recent New York Times piece, made it clear that he definitely wants to run for president in the year 2020? Eric Garcetti, the mayor of L.A. He is the mayor who wants to run for president, and it's unique, and it's charming, and peace in the New York Times made him look great because there are so many good things about Eric Garcetti. Here's what's not good. He is turning his back through his inaction on these drivers in his own city. And if he enters this race for president, he's going to be the underdog. But he's going to make a case that as mayor, he knows what it's like to work with people directly and he cares about people. However, there's a little snag here. These senators who are the frontrunners have all done significantly more than he has for residents of his city. It's not their city, sir. It's your city. And they don't have much power over your city, but you do. You can make these problems that they're going through go away. Bernie Sanders even wrote a letter to the U.S. president asking for an executive order to change this. But we don't need an executive order from the White House. We just need the mayors to do something. If you plan on running for president, sir, you better know that they're going to bring this up. You should have 2020 vision. Not only morally, but politically, sir. That's why I said 2020 vision. You get it? It's a play on words, 2020. Because that's the year you'd be running for president, 2020 vision. The idea that you would turn your back from these drivers. We have so many cases. Eddie Gonzalez was a driver who drove for years and left for only seven days so that he could take care of his dying mother and then bury her. He was gone for seven days. And he's an independent contractor, so he was allowed to do that, and yet the company fired him because he was gone for seven days. He was grieving his mother. They fired him because he went to take care of her. They took his truck, and all the money they put into, that he put into his truck, they didn't return to him. And Mr. Mayor, you are turning your back on him, and so many others like him. I asked Seko about how oftentimes we need to create new laws when we see such egregious injustice, but in this case, all we need is to enforce the laws that are already on the books, and yet... Two people, Mayors Garcetti and Garcia, of Los Angeles and Long Beach, have the ability to do something. Where is their action? And that's what we need, especially in L.A., being that it's public property. So as a representative for the, for the people, Mayor Garcetti, that's why he has the authority to tell the Harbor Commission that they need to ban law-breaking companies. So I asked Seco, okay, so what is stopping Mayor Garcetti of LA from banning these law-breaking companies? That is a mystery to me. And that is a mystery because Garcetti can actually do something. He can do something, and the thing he seems to want to do is run for president of the United States, which means he seems to believe that he represents the best interests of 
people. And he's doing what exactly? Nothing. And he knows how much information? He knows everything. Mr. Garcetti, Mr. Garcia, I know that at least one of you is a fan of Spider-Man, and in Spider-Man we say, with great power comes great responsibility. You have great power. You have great responsibility. Can you be an American hero and step up and salute these American heroes? This is an opportunity. It's not too late, sir. You can give these drivers the key to the city. You can honor them and say, we are so grateful that our city has the real-world Santas that give presents to this entire nation. That's an opportunity for you, morally and politically. Or you can go the way you've been going, and that's, um... I don't have words for that. But you know who I bet does have something to say about that? Uh, your donors, including wonderful people in Hollywood who have donated to your campaign for mayor. They include J.K. Simmons, Amy Poehler, I love Amy Poehler, Jamie Lee Curtis, Jessica Alba Warren, Halle Berry, Will Ferrell, Jada Pinkett Smith, Jake Gyllenhaal, Salma Hayek, Barbara Streisand. These, I mean, Barbara Streisand saying people, people who need people. I know that she cares about people. I, I can feel it in her voice. She's been one of the biggest inspirations to me, including her Christmas music. From now on, our troubles will be miles away. Also, Will Ferrell is a delightful actor with wonderful values, and he stars in the film Elf, which is literally about saving Santa Claus and saving Christmas. So I think we know which side of the argument Will Ferrell is going to fall on. I need an elf's help. I, I'm not an elf, Sam. I, I, I can't do anything right. Buddy, you're more of an elf than anyone I ever met. And the only one who I would want working on my sleigh tonight. Really? Really? Will you fix it for me, buddy? I'll try. Papa taught me how. You gotta find it first. You dropped off the sleigh back over there a ways. The engine. The engine. Go, buddy. Go, Mr. Elf! But I don't know if these actors know about this. Can everybody tweet to them, please? Barbara, Barbara Streisand, Selma Hayek, Jake Gyllenhaal, Jada Pinkett Smith, Will Ferrell, Halle Berry, Jessica Alba Warren, Jamie Lee Curtis, Amy Poehler, J.K. Simmons. I mean, Amy Poehler, she plays Leslie Nope. She's all about community and everybody participating and everybody being valued in that community and no one being forgotten. And that's exactly what's been taking place in the city of L.A. is that these people have been getting forgotten. In Parks and Rec, Leslie Nope boldly stands up against the corporate empire and I am sure that Amy Poehler, who beautifully plays her, would do the same. Here's Leslie. Corporations are not allowed to dictate what a city needs. That power belongs to the people. I love this town. And when you love something, you don't threaten it. You don't punish it. You fight for it. You take care of it. You put it first. 
So this ain't the 1990s, everybody. You can, you don't even need to write a letter. Just send a tweet to these celebrities and ask them what they're doing and put in hashtag heroes wear vests. Let's go back to that video with Bernie Sanders. They don't get overtime. They don't have access to the affordable health care because they're not employees. They don't even have OSHA protection. Every lawsuit that we've had, we've got like a 100% batting record that these drivers are misclassified. They're driving these trucks and these companies are forcing them to pay the leases. They're basically charging them to rent the company truck. They're charging to fuel the company truck. They're charging to maintain the company truck. And many of these companies even charge them to park the company truck at the company yard overnight. This is highway robbery and it needs to stop now. How prevalent is this problem? Every point. But how many people are we talking about? There's 100,000 port drivers. Studies show that better than 85% in this country. You work 12 to 18 hours a day. Yes, and they pay us by, by the load or by the empty. They don't pay us by, by the hour. The fact is the way to control the drivers is to keep them in a poverty in order. And one of the ways they do it, they have creative ways in which to create deductions that they have no control of. 100 After working 100 hours a week, you didn't make any money? Thank you very much. You are speaking not only for yourselves, but the tens of thousands of workers. I don't want to suggest to you that under the current political climate, this is going to be easy to change, but it is a fight worth having. And we're going to stand up and do everything we can to protect you. So as I was saying earlier, that meeting with Bernie Sanders turned into a video which was put on what is called Bernie TV on Bernie's Facebook page, and it came out on November 12th, 2017. Uh, that's just about a month ago. And in that time, the video has over 1.8 million views. It has over 22,000 likes, over 10,000 shares, and it has 1.6 thousand comments. And uh, a lot of them are in shock. They cannot understand that the conditions of these workers are happening in the United States of America, and they want to do something about it. Again, heroeswearvests.com. When Bernie was meeting with the workers, he brought up a really, really interesting question to Renee. The vision at the beginning, the dream, was that someday you would be paying off and, and own your own truck, yes? Well, Renee answered Bernie's question, and when he did, Bernie fell back into his chair and looked disgusted. I was surprised because Bernie has spent an entire career working on issues of exploitation in the workplace, and yet I think he hasn't heard of this very often. Renee gave an answer to Bernie that was similar to the one that he gave to me uh, the night before when I had done an interview with Renee. So here's Renee's answer to that question, and it's a painful answer because we've already heard so much of Renee's harrowing story, but it doesn't end there. Entonces eso me obligaba a trabajar y con la esperanza de que el camión lo iba a pagar en cinco años y ya en cinco años poder trabajar menos y dedicarle más tiempo a mi familia y llevar un poco más de dinero a mi casa. So my hope, what kept me going, was that in five years, finally, I'd get the truck, I'd be able to set my own rules, and then I could work a little bit less and uh, spend a little more, more time with my family. As I said, that first USA Today article has been a complete game changer. But unfortunately, it hasn't been good news for Renee. Brett Murphy talked with Renee and published part of Renee's story in the first piece in the USA Today. Quote, for years, Renee Flores 
regularly has driven 20 hours a day, six days a week, hauling pistachios and medical equipment into the desert from the port of Long Beach. Quote, if I don't work, Flores said, my kids will starve. Again, please go read this article. You can find it at portdriver.news. So Renee talks to the USA Today, and guess what happens? The article comes out, and he's fired because he spoke to a newspaper. When the company realized, uh, when they learned about the interview, they uh, fired me two days later. Supuestamente yo era dueño del camión, era contratista independiente, lo cual ese, ese día me di cuenta que no era así. Now, presumably, I was a owner-operator. It was my truck, presumably. But uh, when, that, when they fired me, I understood that I really wasn't. Porque si el negocio hubiera sido mío, mi negocio yo lo hubiera llevado a otro lugar donde yo quisiera. Because of course, if it was my truck, if it was my company, I'd just take my truck and go work for another uh, uh, trucking company. But I couldn't do that in this case. Y lo que hicieron fue despedirme de la compañía. So I was fired from the company. Quitarme el camión. They took the truck away from me. Y me sacaron con la policía de la oficina. And uh, the day I went to the office to, to complain about it, uh, they brought in the police to take me, to throw me out of the building. A las tres semanas que yo llegué a... A ver que me dieran mis últimos tres semanas de, de sueldo. A few weeks after they fired me, I went back to get the uh, three weeks in the hole, the money that I had earned, but I hadn't collected yet. Me dijeron que tenía que pagar arriba de 30 mil dólares de una factura que, que se debía del camión y del tiempo que el camión había estado parado. Not only did they uh, not pay me, uh, they told me that I owed them $30,000 for the time that the truck wasn't being used and other repairs. Y lo que hicieron fue quitarme el camión y vendérselo a otro chofer por otro para empezar a pagar el mismo dinero que yo pagué. So they took the truck away from me and then they sold the truck or leased the truck, sold the truck to, to another driver under the same kind of deal that I had had before. You know, we started this podcast out by talking about how all of our presence come from these port drivers. They are the real world Santas for our country. And uh, it is, uh, it's really terrible to think that this is how we treat the real world Santas. As I said earlier, this feels like we're living inside of a Christmas special where we have to save the real world Santas. We have to save the spirit of Christmas. And in order to do that, we cannot curse the darkness, but continue to light lights. Or in the words of Troy and Abed, we have to be happy to get to the end. We have to save Christmas to save our friends. We have to be happy to get to the end. We have to save Christmas to save our friends. We have to save Christmas to save our friends. We have to save Christmas to save our friends. But at the same time, when we're talking about all of these presents that are coming in, there is a war on Christmas. Because Christmas is where gifts are given to show appreciation for one another. But me as a port truck driver, how can I actually appreciate it? I mean, I, I will enjoy my family's smiles. I will love their feeling of happiness. But at the same time, I know where these products came from. Those are probably the same products that I drove from the ports to the distribution center. I know that these companies are the ones taking advantage of us. The Macy's commercial that we played earlier referenced that famous Dear Virginia letter, where a little girl named Virginia in the 1800s wrote a newspaper asking if Santa Claus was real, 
And the editor said that Santa Claus is real. He's real in our generosity. He's real in our hearts. And I see that kind of generosity in people like Seko. As he reads the words of Dr. King, I see him not only embodying them uh, for himself, but he's helping the whole movement for the port truck drivers embody the, the essence of Dr. King's message. Because I, 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 I really think that Martin Luther King hit it on the head. And it goes, we need leaders not in love with money, but in love with justice. Not in love with publicity, but in love with humanity. And that is exactly how we should all be. So how are you making this better by being in this job? By voicing out, organizing, letting my truck drivers, fellow coworkers, community, everyone know what's happening, what's causing awareness. But especially for the poor truck drivers, I'm, I'm, I'm educating them on what is our rights, our rights in here in America. Hmm. And it sounds like some people can leave this situation. Not all of them. Some people are stuck yes. in debt. And you seem to be somebody who has so many skills, you probably could get a job somewhere else. Is that accurate? Yes. So then why on earth are you staying in this job? This job that you compare to modern day slavery? Why stay? It's for everyone else and also myself. Why do I stay? Because I can't. I can't, I can't see someone else suffering and yet I'm not gonna help them. Even if I'm suffering with them, we're suffering together. But if we can fight and we can survive together, then we'll prosper together. That's the only way this is gonna work. Because if I leave, who else is going to pick it up? Or why leave? It's like our military. Never leave a soldier behind. I got into this industry. I found out it was bad. They were taking advantage of people. This is for my fellow man. Some And a lot of these guys, I don't even know. There's 12,000, over 12,000 truck drivers in the port of Los Angeles Long Beach. I don't, I don't know all of them. But it doesn't matter because I know somewhere along the line, they're going through the same struggles I am. It's a vicious cycle where they're in debt to these companies and so they continue to work. They're trying to do the best that they can for their families. But if it means that I have to sacrifice myself for them, then I'm gonna do so. Seko is the son of a minister and he is active in his church and has a deep and abiding faith in God. As he speaks about his opportunity to lead and organize while working crazy hours for a trucking company. It's, I can't think of anything that embodies the Christmas spirit more than just sitting and listening to Seko talk. Would that the mayor of LA and the mayor of Long Beach have a fraction of his humility and his courage and his integrity. We're all used here as vessels and this has probably been my crossroad where now he's using me, where tomorrow it could be someone else. But the thing is, I have to seize the moment. I have to make sure that I am up there to do my best to represent for those of the people who trailblaze before me. 
for my colleagues and coworkers and family who are alongside of me to make sure that this problem is not given. I am not gonna give the next generation this problem. We should not give people problems. We should give people faith and hope that knowing that there can be change for the better. But what also gives me strength is my heavenly father. And for me being Samoan, I honor my lineage. And in our, in our culture, we will try to make sure that we are better than our generation above us. Not to take anything away from them because they said they trailblaze something in front of us and they want us, our ancestors want us to make sure that we become better than them. At this point in the conversation, I started talking with Seko about the first episode of Imagine Better. Most stories that we love are about an orphan fighting an empire. And here in our world, we often feel orphaned from each other, and uh, certainly when a group is oppressed, they feel orphaned on some larger level. Especially when facing something like the corporate empire. But then we have countless stories of these heroes who have been orphaned come together in a ragtag crew and a committed community of authentic friends, a union that fights that empire and that wins. When I'm sitting across from you talking with you, Seko, you're leading the fight and doing something about that. These corporations cannot own human beings. That's, that's, that's bigger than any empire. Yeah. Yeah, they, they can't own any human because it's not for them to own. They don't understand that we should all be eye level. We should all be eye level to see each other. But they want to sit in their high rises and look down upon us. And that's not right. When you're with your fellow workers, do you feel a sense of love? Yes. I, I feel a tremendous love because we're struggling together. We're fighting together. Just as I was saying earlier, like in the military, you know, it, it's the same thing. It, 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 it's a brotherhood or sisterhood. It, it's a family. And I'm not going to let my family down. I'm going to try to provide for my family in any way that I can. What do you say to your brother, Renee? Renee has, has gone through a lot. Honestly, also growing up, I, we've been taught always to lead with our hearts. I can only give them all of my love. And understanding that, giving all of my love, my support, or whatever he may need, I know that we can come out of this together. I imagine that some of you are feeling really inspired by Seko's optimism, and some may think it's a little naive. Well, to those who think it's naive, think again. Seko is out there and doing incredible organizing, and it led to a decision. I This is crazy. I'm in the middle of editing this podcast, and I get a text message from Seko that says, hey man, just want to update, <clears throat> excuse me, hey man, just want to update you if you haven't heard. The drivers and I at Intermodal Bridge Transport, which is the trucking company that Seco works for, have won in the labor board. We have been, we have been found to be employees. Um, so I don't, I feel like crying. Uh, Seco 
is no longer going to be misclassified as an independent truck driver. He's going to get to be an employee with disability and social security and all of the rights that come with being an employee. And he's going to be leaving what he's called modern day slavery and having to pay for this truck. And I started freaking out over the text message, getting so excited. And then he writes, we just got the decision last week, still have a long fight, but this is truly a victory for now. We know they will appeal. So it's not over. And keep in mind, this decision was made independent of the mayors. These two mayors could make all of this go away if they escaped their own sense of inaction and stood up as heroes and stood up saluting these heroes. And the fact is, uh, the momentum is on our side. The USA Today article pushed us way ahead. The Senate, people in Congress are concerned, and we need now to wake up Mayor Eric Garcetti and Eric Garcia and Renee has a message for them. It strikes me that through all you've been through, you have a power now to tell a story. And in terms of that story, your fellow Americans have heard you just now, and I have no doubt that your fellow Americans care. Eh, americanos le han escuchado ahora. No tengo ninguna duda que a los americanos eh, nos, nos importa, nos preocupa. It seems that we need to make sure that mayors Garcetti and Garcia care. Parece que es particularmente importante que aseguramos que los alcaldes Garcia y Garcete eh, se preocupan. What would you like to say to them? ¿Qué le gustaría decir a ellos? You who are, who have helped stock our entire country with the very presence we give on the holidays. You are a holiday hero, a hero of the holidays. What would you like to say to Mayor Garcetti and Mayor Garcia? Yo lo que me gustaría decirle al alcalde Garcetti y a Garcia de Lombich que por favor haga algo contra estas compañías. Please do something que no que no vale la tenemos que pagar altos precios para que ellos entreguen buenos regalos para Navidad para sus hijos. We have to pay a high price so that they can have gifts for their children. Y le digo a los alcaldes, a todas las identidades, a los gobiernos, a los senadores que hagan algo porque así como yo manejaba 20 horas, 6 días a la semana. We ask that they do something. So that for people like me that are working 60 hours a week, 6 days a week. Un día puede venir otro troquero adormitado y puede uno de sus hijos ir en la carretera y ese troquero lo puede matar. Y no creo que a él le va a gustar cuando un troquero que no ha dormido lo suficiente porque no gana lo suficiente le vaya a ocasionar una pérdida de un hijo, de una madre, de un hermano o de un familiar. That they should be worried that one of their own children should wind up uh, killed uh, by a truck driver who's so tired from the work that he's doing uh, uh, that uh, an accident happens. Seems that we all should be worried about that for our children, for ourselves, and that we need to band together and support you and support however we can support you now and uh, support all of the workers in the ports of L.A. and Long Beach. Renee, thank you so much. 
So you're probably wondering what you can do about all of this. I've told you a few things like signing up at heroeswearvest.com. And I know a lot of you don't live in Los Angeles or Long Beach. And even for those of you who do, it's easy to feel overwhelmed and hopeless. But you shouldn't feel that way. There are actually things you can do to keep updated so we can stay in communication with you. There's two simple things you can do. One, sign up at heroeswearvests.com. Two, go to our Facebook group and join. You can do that by going to imaginebetter.org and it will redirect you to our Facebook group. And from there, you will get lots of updates and we promise we will be inspiring, not overwhelming. We're going to give you updates and ways to take more creative actions in the weeks and months ahead. If you end up tweeting to Mayor Garcetti's most famous donors, put in hashtag heroes wear vests. Whenever you're talking about this campaign, please put in the hashtag heroes wear vests. But there's more. Because it's the holiday season, we want to follow the Christmas tradition of writing letters to Santa. Except in this case, we are asking you to write a letter thanking our real-world Santas. Write a letter, have your children write letters thanking them for getting our presents out this holiday season. When you finish writing them, you can post them on Facebook or Twitter with the hashtag Heroes wear vests. You can obviously write them using your keyboard, or you can take a picture of your letter, and you can draw pictures of thanks and then post it. If you go to imaginebetter.org, you can also share them in our Facebook group. You can address them however you'd like, as dear port drivers of LA and Long Beach, or if you want to address Seco or Renee specifically, Seco's name is spelled S-E-K-O. That's S as in Sam, E-K-O, and Renee is R-E-N-E. Although to be clear, Renee actually does read and speak English. His Spanish is more fluent. It's fine to write him in English, though. We will make sure that a translator helps translate it for him. Any letter you send to the port drivers over Facebook or over Twitter, we will make sure to send to the media. We will make sure to send to the mayors. You also can leave a message of gratitude to the drivers at our hotline at the following number, 559-745-5432. That's 559-745-5432. If we get enough of these voicemails and they're creative and heartfelt, we're going to make sure to play them not only for the drivers like Seco and Renee, but to play them for the mayors by putting them all online and sending them to the mayor's offices publicly and sending them to the media. Finally, we've created a frame where you can change your profile picture to show your support of these drivers and then get other people to do the same thing. So you can find that by going to Facebook, going into the filter section, and looking up Heroes Wear Vests. If you have questions for me specifically, you can reach me on Twitter at Andrew Slack and you can email me Andrew at imaginebetter.org. Bottom line, there's a lot that you can do. The easiest thing to do would just be to sign up for heroeswearvests.com and join our Facebook group, imaginebetter.org, which will again redirect you to the Facebook group. This episode has been called Heroes Wear Vests. This is Imagine Better, and I have a lot of people to thank. So there's going to be a conclusion, but before we get to that conclusion, here's a lot of people I want to thank. There is our co-producer, Sonia Petrovic, who is my co-conspirator in everything. There's our two editors who we couldn't have done anything without, and they are James Estrada, who you can find at Geek Parenting Podcast. And in addition to the amazing James Estrada, we have another amazing editor, Will Urquhart, and you can check out Will at Urquhart Audio Visuals. 
That's Urquhart Audio Visuals. I also just want to shout out to Alessandra DeSimone, who has continued to serve as an invaluable advisor to this podcast. I've had the incredible privilege of working with the campaign Justice for Port Drivers, and the people running it are amazing to work with. And most of all, the workers, including the people that we interviewed, Seco and Renee, and many other drivers that didn't make it into the podcast, but gave extraordinary interviews. There's the translator that worked with us, Tim Beatty, and was so generous with his time. There's the office of Bernie Sanders and all of the other people that worked with us. There's plenty of other people to thank, including all of the people in my life who have been patient with me as this podcast took over my life. As for staying in touch with us, please join and subscribe at imaginebetter.show. The holiday season is a time of love and gratitude, and with everything going on in the world, we know it can be overwhelming. But right now, we need to hear your voices whether you have only a few minutes to sign the petition at heroeswearvest.com or a half hour to write a letter or five minutes to write a tweet with the hashtag heroeswearvests, we appreciate it. We appreciate all of it. And no matter how dark it gets, no matter how hard it gets, no matter how much we feel broken, we can break open to the fact that we are a family, as Seko said, and we can see each other eye level. Figurative orphans in a larger battle, just like in our great stories, against an empire, and we are going to win. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy everything. Happy holidays. And as we reach the end of the year in this darkest time of the year, let us light even the smallest candle rather than curse the darkness. And may our path be full of the secret radiance and the vast wonders that fill this world in this most sacred of times that is the holiday season. And... To Mayor Garcetti and Mayor Garcia, we ask that you look into the light inside of yourselves. We ask that you act on your courage. We ask you not to imagine worse, but to imagine better. And to remember the words of John Lennon, who asked us to imagine in the first place. And so this is Christmas, and what have you done? Hopefully, by next Christmas, you'll have a much better answer than the one you have for this one. As you remember, and we remind you, that heroes wear vests. So this is Christmas And what have you done? Another year over And you won't just be gone And so this is Christmas 